Hey, 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 it's Bayo J and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is guaranteed to get your emotions in motion. Each episode, I'm joined by some guests with conflicting opinions, and they engage in a little bit of a tug of war with my opinion, hoping to sway my vote to their side of the motion and win the debate. What you don't know can't hurt you. See no evil, hear no evil, eat no evil. Should restaurants be putting calories on their menus or not? The background is obviously Boris Johnson is doing his fitness thing. I don't really know what it is, but at the same time as asking the whole country to eat out, he's telling them to be fit as well. So it's kind of confusing, I won't lie, but it just made me think, is this something that will actually help? Is this something that we need to be tackling? Helping me come to a decision today, we have Jen Cohen. Hi. Jen's an English graduate and future law student. She's been working and volunteering in mental health for the last three years, particularly with organisations Time to Change and Beat, the National Eating Disorders Charity. Most of her public speaking focuses on eating disorder awareness and her own experiences with one. We also have Aki, co-host of the Brown Sugar podcast, who works for a digital research consultancy by day. Before this, she studied a Masters of Public Health and one of her modules focused specifically on the potential benefits and disadvantages of nutritional policies. So obviously we had to get her here for this. Jen also left out that she was the second and funniest in our year <laughs> at school. Wow. Second to me. Well, second to that. you. I'll never let it go. It was really close. This is going to be a funny conversation. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Since lockdown, my personality is just, it's on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You and same. me both. Okay, so before we get into the opening statements, I wanted to ask what your weirdest eating habit is. It could be like dipping chips in milkshake or whatever. Mine is to do with Nigerian foods. I have rice and okra. Okra is like this green vegetable liquid thing and I have it with rice. So you're not supposed to have it with rice, but... Uh, I, do you know I what? Do. If I, that's not, I was actually thinking that, but I, I mix things you're not meant to eat. I eat jollof without chicken. My auntie thinks I'm like not okay in the head. She's like, <laughs> how can you eat jollof without chicken? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll just like have it with like a salad. Like I don't, I don't need to do it the traditional way. I'm very much paprika on everything everything when you say season something to me i just think oh paprika like i would never think pepper or salt is it paprika or paprika it's I've always been, been paprika, paprika to me i was saying paprika too mate this is news <laughs> well she's the expert clearly with all those introductions and mispronunciations out the way let's get into these opening statements jen is representing the side that we should not be labeling menus with calories and aki the opposite side <laughs> From a public health perspective, nutritional labelling can have beneficial changes on the individual level, but then it can also cause beneficial changes in terms of the restaurants and the corporations that you're talking about. On average, about a quarter of our calories are eaten out. Several studies show that people that eat out tend to eat more. So in terms of thinking about where you can have impact, restaurants, it is a logical place to target. And if you're looking at the obesity rates paired with the number of people that eat out, applying an intervention there can have beneficial outcomes. So in terms of can it work, in terms of the evidence, it can work. Is the UK a good target? Yes, because obesity is is high and rising. But I will bring up later that I do think that it should be extended to more than just calories. So I don't think we should just stamp a, this is 1,200 calories on the menu. It should be more than that. I agree with your last part, actually. The main crux of my argument is that I don't think calorie information is that helpful in creating a healthy lifestyle ironically i think this policy is very very lazy it's an attempt to say yeah we are doing something but not 
actually doing anything because evidence suggests that calorie-based dieting is really, really not sustainable. People estimate that I think it's like 95% of restrictive diets fail. It's just a very oversimplified way of looking at weight loss that doesn't take into account multiple other physical or mental health issues. I'm sort of less concerned with how this might affect people with eating disorders and more just how it creates a lot of guilt and shame around food. But I do think obesity is a problem that should be addressed, like you said, just not like this. All right, it's now time for me to interrogate you guys, stir the pot a little bit and dig a little bit deeper into some of these ideas and concepts. I want to sort of start with this idea of calories not actually doing much or like BMI and all the just myths around those measurements because I remember on my Wii Fit and I was like 12 years old <laughs> and they were telling me I was obese <laughs> because of like the BMI. I used to wake up every morning before school and do Zumba. This is like a true story <laughs> because my Wii told me I was obese <laughs> until I realised I wasn't. If, if the same thing happened to me, I was like on the borderline. <laughs> Do you know how traumatic that is? We've all been there with the wefer. It's the same idea with this calorie thing. It makes people focus, as Jen said, on things that can't actually help you. And then eventually you're just like, you know what, sod this. Like, I want a Coke, so I'm going to have a Coke. Like, McDonald's say what's on their thing. And I think Wagamama's do it as well. I remember like the change and I was like, oh, that's shocking but it didn't stop me from ordering it. So I just wonder, like, will it actually, because you don't go to McDonald's thinking this is healthy. I just think that if there are the negative, you know, effects of it being like triggering or guilt and shame and all of that stuff, is it worth doing it if people sort of know already? I agree with you that people go to enjoy their food. They're not really thinking about their nutritional content, whatever, and they're more likely to order what they want anyway. But in terms of just based on the literature, does putting calories on the menu change people's eating habits? In New York, when they introduced calorie labeling in 2008, out of 100 million transactions at Starbucks, there was a 6% calorie reduction. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but that is a statistically significant drop. So people bought less because they could see what was in their food. At Philadelphia, 151 less calories after putting nutritional labeling on the menu. So for me, it's not really about shaming people. A lot of the times I think based on the messaging, it can just be purely informative. In terms of making informed decisions about food, it can work. I guess the main issue around this is information asymmetry. We underestimate the information gap basically, like globally. Surely more transparency is always better for the consumer. Oh, I'm totally here for more transparency. Like I would love that. And I think that if we were to be more transparent in terms of the nutritional content of food and how food is processed, say, and put together into a meal, that would be extremely helpful. I don't think calories are particularly indicative of how healthy food is. A pear, for example, has roughly the same number of calories as a Kit Kat. We know which is more healthy. The Kit Kat. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, if eating that Kit Kat was gonna actually satisfy your craving and stop you from snacking thereafter throughout the day, then that would be the healthier choice for you. But I can only say that because over the years, I've become like quite informed as to what a healthy diet is and to what a healthy lifestyle is, which is one of my major problems with this scheme is that it 
works on a lot of assumptions that a people understand what they're doing when they count their calories so they know what their basal metabolic rate is and they know how to be safely in a calorie deficit and they know still how to meet their nutritional needs it works on the assumption that people are taking what they learn from being in a restaurant and then applying it to the rest of their lives which is you know going to be substantially more time than what they spend in a restaurant and it's like if i said if you go into a restaurant, you expect to indulge. You don't expect to be healthy. And if I see something high calorie on the menu, I'm not about to stand up, walk out and be like, you know what, no, I'm eating at home. Like once you're there, you're there and you're gonna make your order. All that's gonna happen is you're gonna walk away feeling really guilty. That's what creates really bad habits. Absolutely. And on that, the order I get, good morning and lose women are oh, hilarious. And this guy, he owned a restaurant and he was really passionate. He was like, my restaurant's not a place of education. People come there to enjoy themselves. You're going to like ruin their night. And he was literally going on this rant. And I was like, wow, like I didn't know that numbers can actually ignite this much passion. <laughs> what do you think about that, Aki? In terms of restaurants not being places of education and starting in school for kids, for example. It's difficult. I think there's a lot of human behavior that comes into this like what do people do based on the information they're given when they're labeled red green amber actually a lot of studies found that instead of going from red to green people just went from red to amber so like bad but like (laughs) not that bad yeah even though it's not great it's still not red it is not a place of education but i think that if you look at how many people eat out it is kind of a place for impact I mentioned at the beginning, but it can do more than just on the individual level. So another study in Washington that found that when chain restaurants were made to put the calorie content of their food on their menu, they thought more about what they were putting into their food. And as a result, some of their ingredients became less you know, less calorific. From that perspective, I think in terms of incentivizing these restaurants to make consumers feel confident in what they're eating. I think it can kind of sway in that way as well. And that kind of solves a point of people not walking into a restaurant and really caring about what they're eating because that way that everyone benefits without whether you care it's x number of calories or not that is actually really interesting and jen i know in your opening statement you said you know you agree that obesity needs to be tackled but i just want to ask you as like an open question to what extent do you think that we as a society sort of like dance around issues of even saying issues of, of obesity like it's become a very like loaded term and i don't actually mm. know what the origin of like obese is but <laughs> For me, it's like a health term, like the same way you'd be like parasites. Oh <laughs> Not like parasites, but like a health-related term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember the advert, like maybe a year or two years ago, and they were like, you know, obesity is one of the main causes of cancer. Yeah, I remember like, that. Yeah. And it was like mm. a riot. Is it now a slur or is it a health term? I used to have quite a complicated relationship with the term obesity because I was insistent that it was just the worst thing ever and you should never call someone fat and you should never call someone overweight or obese. And like a lot of people say that the body positivity movement encourages obesity. I have to say like my understanding has changed over the years. Obesity is a negative thing. It's not healthy to be really overweight in the same way that it's not healthy to be really underweight. But the question is firstly, how do we measure that? Because BMI has been proven time and time again to be a really ineffective way of measuring health. What is the optimum weight in that case? Obviously being morbidly obese is gonna carry health concerns, but plenty of people are overweight and don't experience any problems with their health. This anti-obesity campaign a couple of years ago that you were talking about, where I think they put it on 
cigarette packaging. They were like just yeah. as bad for you as smoking in terms of causing cancer. The issue that people had with that was that it was a fat shaming campaign. In my mind, we should always, always encourage weight loss from a perspective of self-love rather than I hate myself and I hate my body and I'm a burden to society. That's never gonna get you anywhere on a healthy weight loss journey. But it's campaigns like that that sort of demonize being fat and demonize being overweight and also lump all overweight people into the same category because you can be overweight for so many reasons. You could have a thyroid problem, for example. No matter how little you eat or how much you exercise, you're not going to reverse that. So adding more multiplicity into what it means. We've all spoken about how calories aren't really scientifically, what's it called? But I find <laughs> that like this whole thing about like weight, it's, it's actually quite confusing. Even the traffic light, even though it's just like red, amber, green, it's like, okay, but mm. is fat, like high fat, is that necessarily bad? Because you could be like on a keto diet where high fat is good. So basically like there's just so much to consider. And could you not say, Jen, that like it may just be a number, but it's like easier to conceptualize. I absolutely see what you mean. Part of me when I read the policy, I was like, okay, actually it's a start because I think since having an eating disorder and have, having been through this calorie counting process, I am often quite surprised at how calorific certain foods are and how, you know, unhealthy some of the foods that I used to perceive as healthy actually are. So initially I was like, okay, actually maybe this transparency is good. But then I realised when you're in a restaurant, especially, it's not that helpful because it's really unhealthy to think that you can never, ever eat a high calorie meal, especially if you're in a situation where you're treating yourself. That's a really unhelpful attitude to have. And I think there are other ways in which we could approach this. I don't know if you're familiar with Slimming World, but they have their sins. Different foods have a different number of points and you can only have nine in a day or something. Even that to me is better because it doesn't create this obsession around numbers. Because also you could be in a calorie deficit, but just be eating chocolate all day. I, I know that personally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've obviously been there. Like, it doesn't like really make sense when you really get into it. This question, Aki, it's a bit of a wild card. It's, it's probably bigger than you, but... Go on. I just look at Boris like in, in general, like just <laughs> as a person. Do you think he really wants to tackle obesity? Because it is really confusing that he is encouraging eat out to help out, which is making people eat more than they would oh, regularly. Bro. Like, yeah, save, it's not really saving you money where you're going to two no. restaurants instead of one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and ordering three courses instead of one. Like, I'm having a starter made at dessert. Mate. I can barely afford a drink most times. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, my opinion on Boris Johnson is a little bit dim, so I obviously only come from that perspective. But I completely agree that they are contradictory. I think the eat out to help out thing is purely an economic stimulation versus this, which is, I mean, the UK has been trying to do anti-obesity measures for a while now. And it's coming at a weird time for me, basically, because we are in the middle of a pandemic. I don't think that this is the time to be, you know, doing up confusing messaging and telling people, if you just go for a walk, your whole day will improve. <laughs> for me, personally, the obesity issue Jen, like you said, it needs to be tackled sustainably. And I think that if we are to do that, we need to be smarter about how we do it. But Boris Johnson's way of doing it, the word that I wrote down in this Word document right in front of me is lazy because it is lazy. In terms of, it does literally say it can have effects. I will stand by that because I mean, I did a whole degree on that. But in terms of, will it have impact in the UK? Who knows? In terms of having information, I don't think that calories gives people the full information, but I think it's a start. I want them to do something 
coming. Boris Johnson needs to, needs to <laughs> fix up, fix up, and look sharper. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you have made it to halfway through this episode, which means we must be doing something right. So pause the episode, send it to a friend and come right back. Pop it on your story, follow us on Instagram. Actually, you don't actually have to do all that yet. Just just send it to a friend, just actually send it to a friend though. Done? Cool. It's now time for the main debate. The gloves are off and I am no longer a buffer. Jen and Aki are completely free to directly interact with each other. I want to pick up on what you said about the study in the US with the calorie counting and how there was a 6% reduction in calories consumed. I mean, I don't know if it's from the same study, but I read that that reduction diminished after one year of follow-up, which I think Mm. just lends itself to this idea that it's totally like an unsustainable way of maintaining your health. It clearly had an initial effect, but not a long-term impact. I think that unfortunately, with a lot of public health intervention, what tends to happen is that you target especially if it's population level you just target as many people as you can and assume good intent so basically even if it has a two percent one percent reduction in in um calorie consumption that's still a win because in terms of the cost benefit ratio it doesn't cost that much etc so in terms of targeting as many people as possible a lot of the time it is it's perceived to have a net positive effect even if it's not the biggest decrease and even if it tapers down that's why this can't be a standalone thing you can't be telling people look at what's on the menu and then go for a walk a day like there are other things that need to be happening in that person's life in order for them to be in that mindset in that mindset to say i'm gonna look at my calories i'm gonna think about what i'm eating yeah that's my major thing with it is that it's not that i don't think it won't work at all and that it Mm. won't have an impact on anyone but i think that the minority of people that it does impact it will be like sheer luck that all the circumstances in their life are conducive to this policy it will be pure Mm -hmm. luck that someone's metabolism responds really well to just cutting their calories on the assumption that most people probably don't have a nutritional understanding maybe Mm -hmm. don't have a gym membership it will be pure luck that that fits someone's physical anatomy and like also mental health just so perfectly that they lose weight and are healthy and just so happy with it it's statistically low in my brain i don't have that statistic anywhere (laughs) in my brain it was really important to me that i understood obviously what the potential negative effects it could be for people with eating disorders what is your ideal fix basically like what do you think is the best thing to do in this situation to balance the two my initial response is to say there can be a calorie menu that you request like it doesn't have to be right in front of you and i think that actually that would operate quite nicely as like a little trial run because what I think we would find if we were to do that is that the people who request the calorie menus are probably people who have a really bad relationship with calorie counting because mm. in my mind the people who care about the calories more are the people who already count them be it for good reasons or bad reasons and I feel like we'd find that people who are overweight who actually probably need to have a look at the nutritional content of their food aren't going to request that menu. Though, to be honest, I mean, I know you said that it's a very, like, cheap way of addressing the issue, which obviously I can't ignore. But part of me is like, we're asking the people to do a lot here and the government isn't actually helping us. They're just saying, mm. well, look at the calorie content and do something, which is yeah. kind of what we've always had anyway, because it's not like it's hard to find that information, especially if you're shopping, like it's on food anyway. It's all online. 
I mean, I've been looking it up for years. Like, it really is all that. You know, in my mind, I'm like, why don't we have government subsidised gyms? I mean, I know why we don't, because it's expensive. But do you see what I mean? We're very good at dealing with, like, the tip of the iceberg, not the foundation. And as you are both saying, I don't think the solution should be like, okay, calories can be a trigger, so, like, let's just get rid of them. These disorders, where do they stem from? And, like, look to fixing that and having the mental health practitioners that can instead of just, like, well, don't be triggered. And on the other side, it's like, why are people, like, overeating? I get why Aki asked for, like, a, I guess a mixture of the two. On both sides, it seems like such, like, a performative act. Oh, performative. So the world at the moment <laughs> that is exactly what this is though it's like look we're doing something we're doing something but i guess actually that's what you're asking for you said for you it's like just doing something or even if it has like a one percent chance i think do something but then acknowledge that that isn't it my thoughts on this are not straightforward i think that does calorie labeling work it can work it should it be the only way to do it absolutely not and also, should we be putting a plaster on this massive gaping wound that doesn't affect everyone equally? And obesity disproportionately affects people of a low socioeconomic status. If you're speaking about freedom of choice, some people choose what their wallet is telling them to do. It's not about what, what I feel like eating today. It's about what financially makes sense. So you can put all the calories you want on the things, but like Jen said, like there, there needs to be some grounding that comes with it. I feel like it's quite easy to bring it back to eating disorders. Do you think that putting calories on a menu is really gonna deter someone who has a very poor relationship with food and that they're a binge eater or they're a compulsive eater? Do you think that that's an effective way of dealing with what is ultimately an addiction? So they sort of did it with cigarettes in the past with the way that cigarettes are marketed. Do you think it's effective? Or even nice. Like, do you think it's a nice thing to do? <laughs> By no means will I ever defend um, exacerbating someone's mental health issues or addictions. When you're speaking about public health, you're speaking about everyone. And unfortunately, not all interventions can benefit everyone equally. And sometimes there are unfortunately people that lose out. And I think a lot of the time what happens is that you just have to go for the maximum benefit. And as cynical as that sounds, and not even that it should be a tit for tat thing, like, oh, more people are obese, therefore they should get yeah. priority. But in terms of what is a, a national priority at the moment in terms of health, obesity is. And so unfortunately, people are more likely to take that view in terms of what will what will preserve this and what will bring this down. What I do agree with what you said before, Ife, though, is like, in tandem with that, in order to make sure that people that slip through those cracks, you know, that are really being affected by this, don't get affected by it like you need to kind of it's kind of like a dominoes thing like if you knock one over they can all fall over but you need to make sure that by doing one thing you are accounting for the potential overspill into other communities and other groups of people that could be disadvantaged by it so, so it's a bit of like a utilitarian approach plus looking out for the the pain points nice is a very interesting word because again on good morning they had a wealth loss Weight loss, not wealth. Like, it would be a, <laughs> so, a wealth. I don't want to lose no wealth. Like, how to lose a wealth? A weight loss expert and like a plus size model. He was like, I'm compassionate. I do this because I care about people. And a bit like that honest friend. I'm gonna tell you you're fat because I care about you. It's a tricky one, I guess. But like, to what extent is actually this way or shaming in quotation marks? To what extent is that the nice thing to do? To just be like, this is what's happening and this is what needs to be done. 
And I'm speaking through this guy's voice because I know that's a bit of a bad statement. <laughs> but like, I do get that. And I, I get also what you said about like taking this utilitarian approach. Initially, I saw a lot of my, you know, fellow eating disorder advocates on Instagram mm-hmm. saying like, this is horrible. Like, how can you ignore that anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness? And initially I was like, right, let's not make it all about us. Like, I mean, (laughs) in the nicest way possible, I just felt like, you know, there are a huge number of people who struggle with eating disorders in the UK. Actually, the most common eating disorder is binge eating disorder, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about in relation to this, because obviously calorie count isn't putting those people off either. But then I was like, I do think that if it's for the greater good, it's for the greater good. And part of recovering for an eating disorder is being able to come into contact with your triggers because they're everywhere anyway. You know, that is part of what it means to recover is to be able to withstand that. But then I just thought, actually, the only people who care about calories probably are people who are struggling with them. The problem with this shaming of fat people or people who are overweight is that often shame doesn't encourage healthier habits. It actually encourages self-punishment and binge eating. Um, very restrictive diets in themselves lend themselves to restrict binge cycles because you don't fulfill your cravings. If you've ever seen my 600 pound life, like you see that persistently throughout. Shows like that, for example, don't work because they also don't deal with the emotional problems behind eating and turning to food as a coping mechanism. So it's just a lot more complicated basically than saying, I love you, you're fat, let's lose weight. Like it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. <laughs> kind of to ask the question I asked you, Jen, back to myself in terms of what the ideal would look like. I reckon that I think it would be bigger than the individual for me because I think that the onus needs to be on the restaurants to look at what they're putting in their food. To what extent do they audit restaurants based on what they put in their food? To what extent do they have to, you know, meet certain Ooh. thresholds and certain requirements? Because I mean, I think it's really unrealistic to expect people, like you said, that go out to restaurants, have a good time to then act rationally and logically. I personally do not act rationally in a restaurant. I cannot expect someone with different eating habits to me to do the same. Yeah. And I think the best way to prevent that is to make sure that a lot of this comes to like cost saving and whatever. It's easier to buy in bulk. It's easier to buy, you know, not fresh ingredients, not organic, whatever, fine. You're a business, you want to make money. I mean, I know some people love the taste of a McDonald's burger because it just tastes so, it's so bad that it's good. But like, I mean, I think I'd feel better if I ate it and didn't feel my arteries clogging. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. that, that would deter the consumer. If you were to use that argument to say, well, people wouldn't eat it if it wasn't. People complain about, you know, the dairy milk recipe changing and stuff like that. But like- I'm not gonna lie, Fanta or one of them did change their like, and it, and it did make it worse. It's not nice. Like, I'm not, even, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think it was Fanta Well then at least twist, try and make it quality. Also, like loses its fizz at ten seconds after opening. So, not to take away from your argument, Fanta is unsustainable. (laughs) Much like my diet. Before I make my decision, Jen and Aki, it's your final opportunity to get me on your side. It's time for the closing statements. Biggest thing here, really, is I think a lot of people would expect me to run on about eating disorders and how triggering this whole situation is. I think that that's less concerning compared to the fact this is just not a like a helpful way to think about food for anyone anywhere. It's not going to encourage healthy weight loss on the whole. It might encourage a couple of healthier choices in a restaurant every so often when you go, but is it going to overhaul unhealthy lifestyles? 
Probably not. Is it going to be helpful? Probably not. Does it need a lot of adjusting and looking at? Yes. Will the government do that? Probably not. So on the whole, it's a whole load of no's and not very many yeses for me. <laughs> can putting calories on menus change people's eating habits? It can. Can putting calories on menus change restaurants? serving habits and the food that they choose to serve their customers it can and I think it's the latter for me that kind of sways me more towards saying that it's a good thing to do in terms of taking a higher level approach if you leave it down to individual choice you get into this muddy waters in terms of triggering people and you know making unhelpful statements about food and what should be in it but when you're actually targeting the people that are responsible for feeding you I think it's a good deterrent Aki's point on about restaurants is it's a strong one. As I've said before, I wouldn't change it. But if the food just happens to be healthier because of this, that is better. Like on an aggregate level, I think the positives are possible. But then I also look at who is championing this. And he's hey. a mug. And like that's, <laughs> that's also like an issue. So I'm just thinking, average if I go to a restaurant, she sees her favorite meal at Nando's is, is maybe... 500 calories more than she thinks it is but I haven't changed my Nando's order like in 10 years like for the past 10 years <laughs> I've gotten okay that's a lie actually I so I used to get five wings and two portions of peri peri chips but now I get five wings one portion of peri peri chips and broccoli stems but that's not because of like <laughs> calories that's just because I, I really like love broccoli, broccoli. In terms of if it's going to have changes on the individual, I feel like the answer is generally no. And I think that if it's going to have an effect on restaurants, there are ways that they can do that before it reaches the consumer. For that reason, Jen has won the debate. The motion is closed. We'll be back next week with a new motion and brand new guest. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at the motion underscore, Twitter at the motion pod underscore, and email us at the motion podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to find out more about this topic, follow Jennifer Cohen at Jennifer D. Cohen and Brown Sugar Pod at Brown Sugar Pod. Have a great week and still remember to stay safe. COVID is still around, unfortunately.